Want to discover leading strategies, share experiences and connect with fellow consultancy leaders from companies like EY, PwC or Porsche Consulting? Then join us in Munich for the Leaders in Consulting Conference on the 27th of June, a one-day event exclusively for consultancy leaders like you. Places are limited, so head to leadersinconsulting.com to claim your ticket now. That's leadersinconsulting.com. See you there. to take your time and, and choose the right partners. So be there and talk to people who know the, the market, talk to uh, advisors, uh, lawyers, and so on, and understand. And one thing that we would like to highlight for everyone thinking to take this step is not just to, to choose an opinion which comes right away from the first advisor, but to give a chance to understand different views on a topic because um, this helps you get a better glimpse on, on everything that's going on in, the, in the, this market. Do you want to grow your business and learn best practices from other leaders in consulting? Then this is the place for you. Welcome to the Leaders in Consulting show. This episode is powered by Sewu, the company that can help you drive thought leadership, hiring and sales for your consultancy via LinkedIn. Check them out on sewu.io, S-A-W-O-O.io. So today I am very happy to have Jota Dimu and Hans Neubauer, uh, Johann Neubauer, but um, you want to be called Hans correctly, um, join us. They are co-founders and managing directors of Pixida. Jota and Hans, welcome to our show. Thank you for inviting us. Yeah, well, pleasure is all mine. I think you have a very interesting story to tell. So um, tell me a little bit about your company, Pixida. Um, what are you doing? Since our foundation in 2008, uh, we got quite complex, uh, but to nail it down to a, a very brief story, um, yeah, we are a group of technology companies um, and uh, we are doing consulting development uh, and uh, delivery in the field of uh, technically, technically very complex interconnected systems. Just so that someone can grab what you're doing, can you give me one or two examples of, of what you're consulting or executing? Mm. The biggest field where we grew most uh, since the foundation is uh, the field of uh, connected vehicle solutions. Um, and some of the very famous uh, German uh, car manufacturers uh, yeah, heavily rely on our knowledge and our technologies uh, for their connected vehicle uh, yeah, solutions. Okay, very cool. Um, and what are what are your jobs at your company, both of you? So I'm responsible for HR, which means that taking care of our talents, uh, talents, our culture, and our organizational development. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, my focus is in uh, sales, business development, IT, um, and uh, I'm also doing a lot of uh, international collaboration with our subsidiaries. Mm -hmm. What well, like was it from the from the get go like this that you knew okay each one has its turf or did it develop over time that you are more going Iota into the HR direction and you um, Hans are going more into the sales and and uh, business development and product direction? Well, I think it's uh, definitely nailed to our strengths. To be honest, um, taking care of the people behind our organization is something that matters to me personally. And uh, building up the network um, is something that Hans is doing uh, amazingly. Well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, as I'm the engineer, um, 
Uh, I'm more into the technical things. Uh, and also from my background, uh, formerly in the mobile phone development, uh, I came out of a very technical focus. And um, how, how big are you today in whatever proxy you want to use, number of employees, revenue, whatever? So we are um, around 400 people worldwide um, in the company. Um, and we are growing. The average um, organic growth is about 20%. That's fast. Very nice. And congrats. No? It's, it's, it's something to build something from nothing to 400 employees and still growing. Um, out of curiosity, if you remember it, um, back, you started in 2008-9, you said, correct? 2008, um, yeah. So you started with, um, like maybe if you remember from 2008 to 2010, 11, 12, how did your amount of employees change over time? Like, was it like directly going straight up? Was it like slowly evolving? And at some point you, you hit something and then it went up. Like, how, how did you grow in the beginning? In the beginning, we sent people a year. Something, something like that, yeah. So, Well, that changed at some point, huh? because otherwise, I mean, that doesn't add up to 400 people with 14 years uh, that you have under the belt now, yeah. But in general, I would say we had a very constant growth. Uh, okay, cool. we didn't have a leap. We didn't have a big leap at some point. Uh, in general, it was very continuous. But, and you also didn't have a big dip at some point, I assume, um, or did you? Uh, well, okay. so far, we're really lucky. Um, <laughs> and, and so now here we have uh, a nice situation in the sense that um, you, you are still um, the owners and and you are both running the company um, and you didn't sell out or sell parts of, of your company as far as I understood, correct? Correct. Right. Right. This is so, also um, yeah, please. important to us right, to keep it like that. So... Um, in your point of view, how do you act and run your consultancy differently than than like uh, the other types of consultancies where there's a partner model, there are several stakeholders, it's maybe not as easy anymore to, to get decisions done and maybe people are more focused on getting the paycheck as big as possible for this year instead of having like a midterm um, goal, whatever that might be. So basically, um, we are independent and yeah, uh, owner controlled. And therefore, we don't have any focus on short term uh, profits. Uh, and uh, everything is very long time oriented. And this gives us, gives us uh, the possibility to act uh, very freely in terms of the goals we set and how we develop and how we uh, reinvest uh, all the money we earn into further development. And um, yeah, by doing that, we are constantly complementing the portfolio, um, our offer, our uh, yeah, selling of uh, companies of the entire group. And uh, this, um, as well as the internationalization, we do completely uh, on our own. Um, and this independence uh, helps us also a lot to keep our culture, which we developed from the beginning. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, this is also one of our main drivers and reasons why we don't want to have other investors or third parties involved because we definitely want to keep this uh, very unique uh, culture and, and you mentioned something as a side note um, 
you you said something about internationalization and about products um let's let's focus more now on the on the product side because you you're not a a pure consultancy player anymore as far as i understood and later on we go into the internationalization part because both are interesting um so about um the the product um part can you remember when you started this and and um and 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 why um, so basically, uh, the story goes back to 2015, and um, it started with uh, yeah our um, yeah employees and our consultants uh, who had a very strong desire to not only do consulting projects anymore. They have been very interested in uh, yeah applying their knowledge uh, into own developments, uh, into own products. Um, and, uh, yeah, this was the reason why we started the brainstorming sessions, uh, with all the employees about, okay, uh, in which field, um, can we do something? Uh, how can we bring our knowledge together with, uh, known market needs, uh, from everyone? And, um, yeah, this was, uh, we started in 2015, why we took on the, the adventure to step onto the products and solutions uh, business as well. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's cool that your, your own people said, hey, um, I, I don't want to just be a consultant. I want to do something that, that lives on, so to say. Um, but from a business perspective, like from you as a, as a founder's perspective or the ones running the company, what other advantages do you see in not only offering a consultancy um, um, product, but also developing something that can be sold, I mean? Now we always believe then that uh, both sides can uh, leverage uh, each other's business. Um, and uh, this is also what happens today. Uh, we have uh, product clients uh, because we have the consulting business and uh, vice versa. Um, and um, this was also one of the main reasons why we agreed to start this journey. Mm -hmm. um, and in terms of goals, is your goal to like keep or let's start with um what percentage is roughly the revenue from your product side nowadays in terms of total revenue so 100 percent mm -hmm. is your total revenue what percentage is coming now or stems from from the product side so to say mm. so currently uh, we uh, are around 20 percent of our revenues come from products mm -hmm. and um yeah to give a little bit of outlook as well on this uh, theme uh, recently, we integrated with uh, yeah a very well-known um, UBI usage-based insurance uh, platform partners uh, in the market, and uh, this uh, yeah big platform partners uh, give us uh, yeah a boost, let's say, because they are uh, yeah attracting much more potential insurance uh, clients uh, for our solutions, um, and um, yeah we expect. Uh, quite uh, some uh, growth in the next future um, in the products uh, field. So um, let's still stay on the helicopter level. What what would be your goal? Where do you see the product part basically develop in terms of revenue share in the next five years, for example? Do you want to keep it at 20% or do you want to grow it? Mm, we want to have it at, at least equal, I would say. <laughs> okay, so 50-50 would be your goal. And um, well, <laughs> I think all of us are a little bit curious. What did you develop, uh, or what is like the? Is it a portfolio of products, or do you have one main product? You already taught, uh, told us about like an integration that you have with um, insurance providers. Um, 
So what, what is it that you developed? Basically, um, everything started with um, yeah, the insurance industry. And um, in, in, within the insurance industry, there's a trend since uh, some years now that uh, in the car insurance uh, field, uh, more and more telematics insurance uh, solutions are on the market. And this means that the driver behavior and uh, um, yeah, driver um, style of uh, uh, driving the car is uh, recorded uh, and uh, transmitted to the insurance industry and uh, based on uh, the driving behavior, uh, the insurance premium is calculated, or um, in, to say it in other words, it's calculated how uh, certain it is that uh, an insurance holder might have an accident. And uh, yeah, drivers with uh, a lower risk of having an accident are getting uh, a bigger discount at the end. And uh, for this type of uh, insurance products, uh, we are delivering hardware solutions um, to deliver the needed data uh, for the insurance companies. So this is uh, one field, um, the biggest uh, field currently. And the second biggest field is uh, yeah, uh, interconnecting public transport bus fleets. Um, and uh, for that, we um, yeah, developed a very interesting edge computing platform. Uh, to process a lot of data already on the vehicle side. And uh, this edge computing platform also can be applied for yeah, much more uh, other applications, maybe in the logistics field or uh, in industry automation and uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of other um, yeah, possible applications as well. Mm -hmm. um, so let's, let's walk through the whole process of... Um, how you develop, let's stick with the first product, the, the one where you help insurance companies basically uh, calculate the risk. Um, I, now I'm, of course, curious what would be my score, but <laughs> um, it's it's an interesting solution. So how did you get the idea to start it? Was it like really a consulting project that developed into a product? Um, walk us through the journey a little bit on how, how this evolved uh, to be a final product that you can even sell. Mm. Yeah, this is also something we want uh, to tell any other uh, consulting business leaders out there. Uh, I think uh, real entrepreneurs already know about it, and it's about uh, having the right network, having the right contacts. And uh, yes, for sure, we also have been lucky to be at the right point uh, at the right time. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, at this time, I met uh, guys in Leipzig uh, at an insurance event. And um, some of uh, the people I met there uh, connected me immediately afterwards uh, with uh, other companies having a uh, yeah, very urgent problem with their usage-based insurance solution. And uh, they simply have uh, been looking for um, yeah, knowledge and uh, help uh, from, uh, from, from uh, companies uh, who are into the yeah, interconnected solutions business. And uh, yeah, from this point, we started to discuss uh, uh, about uh, helping them out, uh, helping them possibly out with a new solution because uh, the solution from the other supplier didn't work that well. And um, yeah, it uh, 
went on uh, with discussions with uh, Telekom Deutschland and uh, Swiss Re from Switzerland um, to work on a joint uh, white label solutions uh, for uh, all of the insurances out there. And um, yeah, with the steps, we uh, learned more and more about uh, the industry, about the um, application field. And uh, yeah, in the meantime, we have uh, something like uh, seven years of track record in this uh, business field. And therefore, we are getting more and more professionals as well. Um, and at what point uh, did it like become a real product that you, like you said, okay, this is something that we can also like sell um, as a company? So first I understood it was like a consulting project where you had to, to solve a problem um, that was existing there. And at some point, there must be the point where you say, oh, that's interesting, maybe we can do more with that. So do you remember when the, when you reached that point? And, and um, also what steps you took when you decided, okay, let's develop a product because this is different also organization-wise, you know, it's not a consultancy then, it's like a product um that you want to sell and it's definitely so i think at least differently than a consulting product let me rephrase my question it's, it was two questions in one so first question uh, can you can you can you remember when you basically um decided to create like it was a consulting product uh, project and then at some point you noticed hey we can develop a product out of this and we like maybe at some point you said okay we can sell that product standalone so um Can you can you walk us through through this time and what uh, what what and why you uh, what you did at, at that point of time? Because I think many consultancies can reach the point of okay, we now have a great solution, and then they walk away. And you didn't walk away. I mean, you kept on walking. Hmm. Hmm. Sure. Uh, so it was uh, in 2015, uh, I would say around uh, June, uh, when we decided. Um, Yeah, to do a first prototype uh, based on the discussions we had uh, with uh, the other companies. And um, yeah, this uh, led into the foundation of our subsidiary Pilabs. Uh, and it was founded in uh, beginning February 2016. And um, yeah, at this point, when we founded Pilabs, uh, there was also the decision uh, about uh, yes, we are going uh, to try to develop a series solution. Uh, which really goes into mass production. And um, yeah, there have been uh, for sure some ups and downs uh, over the years uh, because uh, also our partners uh, not always have been fully reliable and uh, committed uh, to what they want and when. Um, but uh, yeah, um, it, it uh, ended up in June 2018 where we started uh, the first mass production. And um, one or two months later, we uh, shipped uh, the first, uh, I think, uh, 10,000 units uh, to our customer. Awesome. That is so cool. And um, so you, 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 you build a subsidiary. Um, and, and how, like, it's different from an organizational structure, I would assume, um, to a normal consultancy. So can you walk us a little bit through how you basically staffed um, the subsidiary so that it can be successful in not only producing, but in also doing everything else that a product business has to do? And so because I think that's something that um, that's really not that easy for someone who's used to running a consulting business with the typical structure that you have in a consulting business. Yeah, yeah. Um... 
So that um, started with uh, a couple of crazy engineers, I would say. Um, so our best engineers uh, who really wanted uh, to build something and uh, to succeed. And um, yeah, this is also one of the bad sides uh, of, of this entire story. Uh, at the beginning, we did it like engineers thought that everything should work out. Uh, and uh, we didn't uh, consider a lot of other things around, like uh, yeah, having a, a proper product management about it, uh, uh, having other organizational uh, yeah, roles and resources uh, to uh, yeah, guide us through the entire process of uh, a first concept uh, to mass production. Um, the, the way to go from, from a product uh, to industrialize it and to mass production was a little bit easier for us uh, because uh, we already did this uh, things and processes uh, yeah a couple of times uh, in the automotive industry with uh, yeah uh, ECUs uh, from navigation and entertainment systems uh, so we had uh, at least uh, yeah already yeah the knowledge about uh, cooperating with uh, electronic production uh, uh, yeah companies and sites uh, and how to start uh, a production and how to ensure that at the end, uh, functional and uh, reliable products are shipped to customers. Um, but at the beginning, going back, uh, yeah, it was a couple of engineers and uh, all the other roles uh, have been built um, yeah, over the, the following years. In the meantime, we have a product management team. Uh, we have uh, yeah, a way better organized uh, testing and qualification team. Uh, and uh, yeah, some other mm, development uh, yeah, processes and frameworks uh, based on, on which we are working today in a yeah, way more professional um, uh, way. Mm -hmm. Maybe to be honest, also the way how success is built, right? Not to wait till everything is completely ready and in shape. Otherwise, you will lose the timing of the market and the possibility. Yeah. I can definitely relate to that one as a as a young young company. Um, you have an idea and a, a hypothesis, and you just have to start running, and then you learn along the way. Um, so w one hypothesis that you had, or that was also one reason why you started this whole journey, was so that your best people um, um, have interesting things to do besides just consulting. Um, did that work out for you? So. In hindsight, is this really something that keeps people engaged and leads to a lower um, or higher retention rate, so to say, lower attrition? Um, at the end, people see their own product and their own knowledge into this product. And I think it's uh, it's a step in a development. Um, but I, I wouldn't ever put it together with, uh, with those values. What do you say? Mm. In general, I think uh, the, 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 the best way to describe it is that the guys who did the first uh, prototypes with us are still in the team and still okay, with cool. us. After all these years, after all the up and downs and uh, for sure uh, yeah, fights and not always having the same opinion uh, immediately, uh, the guys are still with us uh, and are uh, still fighting together with us uh, for new clients, new products, 
Um, and uh, I think this is, uh, yeah, the, the, the best uh, way to see that uh, it really keeps uh, our, our employees uh, uh, with us. And um, yeah, we continuously see that people from the consulting business have a strong interest also to see the other side uh, of the group, uh, especially uh, the product development uh, um, part of, part of uh, the big Cedar group. Yeah, I mean, that's where, where I also see um, often like after two, three, four, it depends on the consultancy type, of course, but usually between two and five years being in a consultancy, you want to see the other side and then you leave the consultancy because you have no option to see the other side within the same company. So this is something that I assume is 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 nice. So now that you have like, and then that's quite substantial already, 20% of your revenue um, coming from this product side um, and you... you um, Maybe you forgot some of the pain points because I know as an entrepreneur, you forget the painful stuff. If, if some things work out, you're happy with that. But if you, in hindsight, could say what are the two, one to two things that really hurt during this process and the one two things that, that you're happy that you did it in the end um, or that are the positives now in hindsight? So the biggest pain point currently, or it was during the last years, especially was the material shortage, um, yeah. especially of steel conductors. Uh, as uh, the business uh, at the moment is more focused on hardware than on software business, um, yeah, we really rely on, on all the supply chains uh, for semiconductors. And um, this has been very painful during the last years. Uh, fortunately, it's getting better again. Um, and uh, we hope to yeah, be soon at the level uh, where we have been before COVID uh, in terms of uh, availability and also in terms of uh, price. Uh, just to give you an example, uh, the most crazy, uh, craziest uh, increase in price we had for one component was something like uh, 25,000%. So a uh, component uh, which usually yeah, costs uh, just a few cents is uh, suddenly... Uh, yeah, amazing, expensive, and this uh, destroys the entire business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, th- that's really painful to feel, but uh, I mean, in a sense, you feel the pain of all your customers because they probably have the same kind of pain points. And mm-hmm. I don't know if you can find solutions, but at least you're closer, even closer, I, I would assume, to what your customers feel. Yeah. We have, we have to say that our customers have been very cooperative on that. Um, some of the customers, uh, yeah, took over the additional costs, uh, with other customers, we shared the additional costs. Um, and, uh, yeah, we didn't have, uh, big, uh, discussions or fights with them about this topic because everybody knew, um, it was in the news a lot and, uh, it was also, yeah, obvious for everyone that even the very big, uh, yeah, companies like uh, Google, Samsung, Apple, everyone uh, was struggling with this as well. And uh, then it's clear uh, that also we as a small company, uh, yeah, <laughs> have the same problems for sure. And um, if like another leader or owner of a consultancy would say, it makes sense. Like I, I have some ideas on what we could build, be it product uh, in, in like physical one or software product. 
Um, what advice would you give those leaders? What should they do on what would be the high level steps to, to do it right? So um, I think what we need to, to remind maybe again to the listeners um, are that um, in our case, the bottom of line was that we want to do um, this step out of organic growth, right? So we are not having any investor really on um but um besides that um of course the the entrepreneur stepping into this step needs to find a balance between um his own feeling for um let's say the the market and and the uh possibility um rely on that but also between um the experience of his um team the knowledge that he has and the opportunities in the market. So this is um, the key step, finding this balance. And then, of course, um, during uh, the development, you need to set as you are relying on your own um, framework and, and setting and, and money to make sure that there are deadlines to deliver to. Otherwise, it gets completely out of hands. Right? Mm -hmm. And um, would you advise any consultancy to do it, or, or would you say it doesn't make sense for some um, to to go into this direction? It's an amazing step, to be yeah. honest. Out of those things that we discussed before, what you can present to your to your talents, to to the people who are in the team, what possibilities do you have? But um, yeah. It is definitely a risk you need to be aware of taking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's a totally different business with different rules that you have to build up. But yeah, um, yeah congrats on building this because I, I assume on the one hand side, it's it's good to di diversify a little bit for you um, to not be just reliant on consulting. Um, I would assume, and you can correct me if I see this wrong, that you as a company also learned a lot by executing um, this whole mm -hmm. thing. So it's not just consulting and then you're off again and someone else can execute. You you have to do everything and you have you see a lot of pain points that maybe also your customers see at some point. Mm -hmm. And the whole like um, additional reason to stay at your company for your employees. Uh, I hear it from every consultancy leader nowadays. It's really hard to find talent and to keep talent um, and whatever you can do to keep those people that are great um, that is basically one of the main assets uh, that you have in the future on the one hand, but on the other hand, you also are not that reliant on people anymore. If you have a product that you can say, so it's, um, it's basically, um, if you can scale a product and sell it, well, if you sell 10,000 or hundred thousand, you probably have to, don't have to hire 10, 10 times as many people, I would assume, um, for your, for your uh, product business, or do I see mm -hmm. that wrong? Not completely, but maybe the, the maintenance of those products, of course, needs the help. And you need to have the knowledge from the beginning when you build the product um, in, in your team. Otherwise, you will not be yeah. able to, to advise your customers completely through the life cycle. But yeah. yes, that's what you said. I can definitely agree on. Yeah, because in the end, I mean, in consulting, you sell hours. 
Yeah, usually at least, as long as you don't have a productized um, solution where you just say, okay, this is what you get and you get more and more efficient and you can use less and less people, it's still twice the amount of revenue. It means usually twice the amount of people that you have to put in somehow. And in product, it's like not exactly linear. I, um, and, and so I think that that's a nice side effect here that you have. Well, it's not just a side effect. It was uh, also one of the main drivers uh, for doing that, for sure. Because... Uh, we definitely want to see, uh, yeah, uh, our product scale, and uh, yeah, we already increased from year to year the volumes, and uh, hopefully, we really do a big leap soon uh, because the market is ready now. Cool. Yeah. So we have to talk again in two, three years and see where you are then. <laughs> hopefully, okay. And and you managed something that is quite amazing. Um, can you quickly sum up in which countries um, you you are already operating right now with with teams in these uh, countries, so to say? So uh, we can present our offer, of course, globally, um, but we have our own um, subsidiaries in US, in Brazil, in China. The newest subsidiary is now founded in Portugal. This was the, the last step that we did. Um, but our customers are worldwide, from South Africa to to Austria to um, Switzerland to Hong Kong, Hong Kong Taiwan. Taiwan. And um, are are these subsidiaries for consulting and your product, or is it for for one of them? So we, we use all of them uh, for the entire group's portfolio. So uh, okay, perfect. Yeah, currently talking about uh, three streams of the group. Uh, one stream is the 60 consulting. It's the pure business consulting part. Uh, we are talking about uh, Pixida as we founded it in 2008. Uh, and we are talking about Pylabs. And uh, yeah, in, in other uh, countries or other locations, uh, maybe just one of these three has a location. But at the same time, we try to use uh, yeah the corresponding uh, subsidiary to offer the entire portfolio of the group in the market. Mm -hmm. or and, and just to get an idea of, of the size of these subsidiaries, if you know it by heart, how many employees do we have in, in Germany or the German-speaking market and how many are in US, Brazil, China, Portugal? So in the US, we are uh, around uh, eight consultants now. Um, in Brazil, it's around uh, 55, 55. In China, as well, around 55. Uh, and uh, Portugal now we are at uh, three or four, and uh, all the rest is in German. Okay. Um, why did you start to um, to go abroad? Like, what was the first country, and what? Why did you decide to go into this country and 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 start a subsidiary there? Besides what we said, that it's interesting to do this step out of course of um, diversification and uh, entering the market reasons. Back then, um, customers of ours um, had an interest to roll out their features and, and products into different markets. So that's where um, US started uh, with. Um, we had a lot of um, colleagues uh, going over with business trips, transferring knowledge and building up there the um, rollout teams and the, um, yeah, let's say the business for our customers and supporting the business. 
Um, so this was the initial, I think, again, having the knowledge and being able to deliver when the need is there was the trigger for doing this in a first step. Mm -hmm. So that's that step I see many consultancies being capable of doing, sending people to a country where they already have business and they consult there. Mm -hmm. the, the hard part is then deciding to open an office and have that office also deliver, not just execute some projects that are run overseas in Germany, but like be a self-sustaining business, so to say, and and being able to win talent and to win um, business. Um, and, and did you reach, or let me ask differently, Uh, so you went there, which is absolutely fine, uh, kind of by chance, uh, with your client who had something big to, that had to be rolled out. Why did you decide to make something permanent out of it? And what steps did you take to make it successful? It's because we are um, yeah, opportunity-driven business thinkers. And uh, usually we see the opportunity first and not uh, yeah, risk or problems. And we simply believe that uh, this is the opportunity which we have to take and uh, which is a good uh, first uh, yeah, uh, start uh, to build more around it, uh, as you already did it in Germany before. And um, yeah, it uh, turned out and uh, all of our yeah, long-term subsidiaries have uh, local business. Uh, um, And additionally, also international business from collaborations with other uh, companies of the group. Um, so, can you walk us a little bit through for, through this very first opening of the United States, for example, as a subsidiary? Um, so, um, what high level steps did you take? For example, where we then went in an office, we sent, we then decided to hire someone who's running this office, or you send someone there. At some point, they they started acquiring customers. And like, really go a little bit in the weeds so that someone who's listening can say, ah, okay, that's how they did it, and that's maybe how I can do it. Okay. In the beginning, you need to take your time and, and choose the right partners. So be there and talk to people who know the the market, talk to uh, advisors, uh, lawyers, and so on, and understand and One thing that we would like to highlight for everyone thinking to take this step is not just to to choose an opinion which comes right away from the first advisor, but to give a chance to understand different views on a topic because um, this helps you get a better glimpse on on everything that's going on in, the, in the, this market. Um, and of course, there to listen again to your um, to your stomach, I would say, to the feeling that you have with with whom you feel comfortable on on working, because it's uh, it's about um, founding the base of your company and changing later partners that you choose is even more more hard. But it can it can be, but it's it's harder for everyone. Um, And then, of course, whatever um, what, what is coming out of our corporate culture, I would say, is that we always try to find a person which is out of the market where we enter a local uh, managing director to make sure that um, the understanding of the culture over there is the right one of the market, of the opportunities. 
but to uh, partner him with um, a colleague uh, here from uh, the headquarter so that the uh, um, bringing together of these two worlds can, can happen pretty fast, the experience, but also the cultural aspects. And, um, and then, of course, as you said, we were uh, this last uh, weeks uh, together with our um, general manager there, James, in Portugal, to stay uh, at Portugal for a moment to uh, do the first steps in finding the right place to start the business, um, to um, collaborate with possible uh, partners and discuss opportunities that might arise um, to get a vibe of, uh, let's say, what's going on in, in the city where we are, where would be our employees, how to, to feel all of these things. Mm -hmm. I'd like to highlight uh, and to add that uh, it's also very important, again, uh, yeah, to build a network. And um, this is all very important abroad uh, to visit conferences, uh, trying to meet other people who already made the journey before, uh, trying to learn from uh, yeah, their uh, experience. Uh, and uh, in every country in the world, I think, uh, we are able to find uh, yeah, Germans or Europeans who started uh, at some time. And uh, this is uh, definitely very important um, and uh, yeah, gives a lot of uh, possibilities to learn from it and uh, to also build business uh, on top of uh, the network. Um, and um, what is also very um, yeah, beneficial is... Uh, to join the local uh, German Chamber of Commerce. Um, also, uh, they are uh, spread all over the world. Uh, in most of the countries, uh, they have uh, also um, yeah, some, some sites and locations. And um, in some countries, they provide uh, very interesting formats of networking events, uh, um, supporting the members and getting visibility in the market. Uh, and this is also, uh, yeah, very beneficial to start a business abroad. Mm -hmm. Did you both or one of you personally um, start this networking journey or did you send an employee to, to network and to get in touch with those people locally? And this was, I think, also a boost for the colleagues we, we place there that we do this journey together, at least in the beginning. Um, but of course, we would not be the only ones visiting or uh, the colleagues coming coming here. The complete um, management team is, is asked to support in all of these actions. Mm -hmm. And um, the one person that you basically tasked to, uh, to collaborate with this new general manager in this country, did that person stay for a while there or did that person fly over back and forth again and again? How did you do it in, in practice? Well, I think it was different in um, yeah, every of the markets. Um, for example, in China, it was um, yeah connected with a lot of traveling for a little bit more than two years, uh, constantly uh, flying back and forth. Uh, and also in China, I think we did the most networking activities uh, when once we started uh, and decided uh, to start. Um, and uh, yeah, it uh, took us around uh, almost two years until we hired the first local general manager. Uh, That's a long time, yeah. Very fortunately, because this was also the time 
where we uh, yeah achieved to win big frame contracts uh, with uh, first uh, customers and then he, he immediately could uh, yeah step in and uh, yeah to make it uh, bigger and uh, to use the one frame contracts uh, to grow the team awesome um i, I mean i i just want to highlight a few points that you somehow just nailed right and i saw in other companies um um that that basically failed um to to go abroad um they didn't do it as you did so first first what you did really well is you you invest your own time as founders and and c-level executives to go there and to network yourself and and to take your time you said two years uh, not to rush anything in china for example but to take your time until you find know what you want and need and then find the right person that can help you because that first partner or that first manager general manager in this country that's the hardest one to replace um and and then pairing um that that i find super interesting that you pair them and so you um oh generally one step before i i also saw it fail because uh, german companies just thought well i send someone over there and they make it happen yeah and they sent more consultants from germany and then they have a, a, a six eight person team of germany no locus in the team yeah and that that basically failed so um just deciding that you want someone local is already a, something that you did pretty pretty well i think and uh, then pairing uh, to merge the cultures um that that i think is super interesting and we will talk about it in a second but i mean having so many different uh continents in fact um uh, which means very very different cultures uh, but you still want to keep like a core of um, of what what makes your company your company so that's that's super interesting um and just an hands-on question you said networking and and looking out for maybe germans who did this journey there and to learn from them who was uh, the one or or maybe two people that helped you in in the united states and how did they help you and how did you find them it's a very hard question because uh, the states is already 12 years back <laughs> well, uh, we can take a different country there or pick a different one whatever you want to choose be it china portugal brazil whatever in china uh, i think about a, a couple of uh, yeah contacts and also former friends or colleagues uh, this was also the reason why we started with china uh, in this case um, compared to the other countries, we didn't even have any concrete business. We simply have seen, uh, okay, we know a lot of um, guys in China in the meantime, and uh, China is an important market and um, is uh, constantly growing and uh, yeah, uh, collaborating more and more with uh, Germany and other countries. And we wanted, uh, or we wanted to try uh, to also build a business there, but we didn't have a clear perspective. Uh, about uh, which uh, customer might be the first one or whatever. We only knew, okay, we have a good network there already because uh, a lot of expats and uh, yeah, known, known persons moved over uh, again and again. And uh, we believed, okay, um, together with them, there should something be possible to start there. And uh, mm, the people I'm thinking about now are, uh, yeah, most of them former colleagues uh, from our times before our foundation of uh, Pixida, uh, with which we worked in uh, joint projects uh, in, in our previous uh, career. And I think they have been our door openers. most important door openers and supporters to step into the market. Okay. 
Um, very cool. Yeah, and and congrats again. I mean, that is something. And not opening just one country, but several. And that is that is cool. Um, so in terms of company culture, how like we already learned this one little starting trick that is maybe important that you merge the first person that you hire in that uh, country and continent with someone from from the headquarters, so to say. But um, how how what else did you do to incorporate um, your DNA into this uh, this new continent or, or country while still reflecting the different culture that is like just because people are different in, in those in those countries than in Germany. And what maybe also changed because you have people from totally different cultures in your company now? And uh, you nailed it while saying your questions right so it's a, a both sides way it's not only um, bringing culture or values into this country this would be a little bit harsh to say or bad to say i would say um, but it's opening yourself and understanding that this step would also change you and embracing that because um This was what, what happened to us and what, what is um, the, the important uh, fact. So we, are, um, we had opened ourselves and we knew that we are going to go there and it's going to reflect other topics to us. Right. Mm -hmm. So... Can you give us an example of what changed um, because of um, these different cultures? I mean, US is definitely, I mean, different, but I think Brazil and China are totally different in terms of culture when it comes to the typical German person, I would say. Yeah. Let's start with the basis. You need, to, first of all, to build um, the communication basis. Yeah. So we adapted um, the language into English to make sure from very beginning that we can talk to each other and allow this this sort of communication um what changed uh, what definitely changed a lot uh, i think it also can be seen um in our uh or with our follow followers on linkedin that uh, because we switched over everything into a very international scope, uh, including the language, uh, what is always the neighbor. Uh, and um, although we are quite small German company, but very internationally focused, a lot of international uh, guys are following us. And we have uh, yeah, quite a good number of followers uh, because uh, we are acting uh, globally. And... Uh, This this is uh, having an impact because uh, we attracted more and more global talents. Uh, we hired more and more of them. Uh, in the meantime, also in Germany, uh, we have uh, a lot of uh, yeah people from other countries, and um, yeah, this uh, again is uh, interesting for other talents, Germans or not. Who are uh, very interesting in, in um, yeah uh, interdisciplinary intercu intercultural uh, environment, and uh, they know uh, yeah about our culture, about our beliefs, our openness uh, for uh, yeah other opinions, uh, other experiences, uh, other beliefs, and uh, therefore I think we attract 
uh, or can attract uh, talents uh, because we are uh, yeah having this setup and this mindset. And I mean, and and and. Today's time, this is a competitive advantage because talent uh, is getting more and more scarce. Even though we have maybe some fluctuations uh, right now um, with with Russia and what 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 is happening in the world, it, it's still like you have to be able to attract and retain talent. And if you cannot do that, you cannot simply grow anymore. And if your goal is to grow twenty percent year by year, well, you have to hire people um, year by year. Um, and higher even more the bigger you are like just in terms of total numbers just because of the normal fluctuation that you have so mm. it's that's already a really good good reason to do that yeah um so you just one side question because you mentioned linkedin and and that you got something out of it um what what works for you on linkedin and did you get also some tangible besides like tangible meaning some business that developed out of it or some people that really say I saw you on LinkedIn and that's why I applied. Uh, yes, definitely. <laughs> so uh, we are uh, experiencing that uh, people really uh, apply because of what they have seen on LinkedIn. But also we um, are generating business because of it. Because uh, we have a big community, uh, a lot of followers, uh, former colleagues, former customers uh, uh, or, or whatever. And uh, we are again and again uh, connected and uh, contacted because, uh, yeah, they have seen that we are doing this or that or we developed a new product and they think about, uh, okay, if this um, might be also uh, somehow interesting for them and for their problems. Um, so we definitely, uh, yeah, get a lot out of LinkedIn uh, on both sides. Mm -hmm. And what do you use on LinkedIn? Is it like the profile of your company or companies, so to say? Is it your personal profile? So what 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 is your plan? How, how, what do you do so that it works? Uh, everything together. So we, we we try to make use of our own networks of our profiles, uh, personal profiles, uh, but we also try to um, grow and uh, to develop our community of the company profiles and. Uh, Uh, we just we decided to, to have uh, yeah single company profiles for every subsidiary as well, also abroad um, and uh, yeah. But also our employees help, right? So this is like um, the story of Pixida. We are highlighted also by them. So this is uh, immense helpful. Mm -hmm. Very cool. So LinkedIn does work if you use it correctly. That's a good message as well, um, mm -hmm. and. And the, the last inside question before we jump into our rapid fire series. Um, you started out in the automotive industry, you said, um, but you moved into other industries um, over time. Um, why didn't you just stick with one thing? Because one mantra that you hear from time to time when you start your company, you have to focus on one thing only and be the best for this one customer group or this one niche that you have. And you didn't do that. Yeah. Natural curiosity that we have. We talked before that we see the opportunity and the possibilities that arise. Well, yeah, our background is in the automotive area and we cher cherish our customers there. 
but it was never, um, how to say, uh, a defined step for us just to be automotive. So the cross-functional exchange with other industries and to um, to help and with our knowledge encourage the solution providing in other industries, let's say, this is uh, something that um, is in our DNA and in the DNA every colleague, uh, which comes with passion for technology in general into this company. Mm -hmm. At our pre-foundation um, experience, we have seen what it means to be dependent from one industry um, and how your customers might play with you when they know that uh, you are dependent. And uh, this is what we definitely didn't want to face, uh, at least after some time, for sure. It, uh, Beginning with uh, the first projects, um, we are dependent or have been dependent. Uh, but over time, we always had the desire to, yeah, go into new, not just to go into new markets, also to go into new industries. Uh, and um, I think this we also managed quite well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, as you said, it reduces risk. So um, I can relate to that. You probably can sleep better as as a owner of a company that is not reliant on one industry or one two three big clients, because we all know what can happen <laughs> when you, when you are when when you are in this situation. Um, so um, yeah, it it definitely could make sense to have at least two foots on the ground and think about diversifying a little bit. Uh, mm -hmm. So that you are not just focused on one one thing alone. Um, so that's maybe a good message here as well. Yeah. Cool. So let's go into our rapid rapid fire questions, and you can both answer, or you can decide if just one of you answers these questions. Okay, I leave it up to you. So it's a stressful job to be a founder for such a long time. Yeah. Usually you say after four or five years you have a dip and you have to refocus and get your strength, um, but um, you, you stick with it for such a long time and you don't want to sell, even though you are obviously successful. So there must be something that's driving you, but you have to have a balance. Um, so what do you do to keep body and mind fit and sharp? Of course, uh, having friends around you and your partner, your family helps. One, well, you need to take the time. Um, but uh, for me, it's uh, also the walks with the dogs, the gardening that uh, gives me this balance and running what um, um what kind of dogs one question and the second one like what what do you want one twi once twice a week what kind of distance out of curiosity at the moment i'm keeping the two times a week uh which makes me proud because it's uh, really hard to stick with it when you still have to walk with the dogs um and one is from croatia i don't know a mixture um what exactly the the race is and the other one is a tibetan laza upside okay very good hans do you also want to answer for me it's quite easy i'm fully into spinning and squash spinning and squash yeah these are two tough sports i went to one spinning class with my wife and i mean i think i can ride a bike and i do triathlon you know and and it's, it doesn't mean that I'm a good biker compared to bikers, but compared to average people who go to a gym, I would say I have some power in my legs, but I was totally, totally wasted after one hour of spinning. It's not biking. It's something totally different. Mm -hmm. It crushed me. I never go up. I will never, ever attend a spinning class in my life again. I can tell you. Oh, okay. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, it's uh, like with everything. Uh, if you do it just once, it uh, might hurt. Yeah, it it does hurt. Yeah, definitely. They they. I mean, I didn't even know why we had a seat on the bike. It was one hour standing up, pedaling on on frequencies that I never pedal usually. Um, I thought all these ladies. It was one guy left of me. He suffered with me, so I was happy that I wasn't the only one. But all the ladies around me, they were just grinding through the whole thing. I thought. I cannot stop now. I mean, what's that? My wife is behind me looking at me. All these ladies around me, I will not stop. So I, I, I pushed through. But yeah, it was my last time. <laughs> so kudos. Yeah, that is tough. And squash is also like really, really intense. Um, yeah, I, I also tried this once or twice. And then I stuck to tennis when I was young. <laughs> so next one. Um is there anything that uh, that our audience or other leaders in consulting industry um, or maybe just people who are in the consulting industry being consultants can help you with? So as we already um, pointed out, we are uh, yeah, fully convinced about having a proper network. And um, for this reason, we always open for partnerships and collaborations. We also very used uh, to cooperate with other uh, yeah, companies uh, for joint projects. Uh, so we are always open for that. Um, yeah, for sure, we are looking for customers with ambitious goals and digitalization projects, um, especially um, also medium-sized companies, uh, because uh, because we believe that cultures uh, are feeling better when, uh, yeah, our partners uh, um, are having maybe a similar size. Uh, sometimes we, yeah, face uh, for sure also the differences in power with uh, big corporation uh, customers. Therefore, to have more medium-sized uh, customers as well would be very nice. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, basically, I think uh, that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what kind of consultancy partner would you look for right now? Who who would help you? Mm-hmm. Um, I think the main shortage we constantly have in software development uh, projects, um, cloud developers, mobile developers, Java developers. Um, this is currently the most difficult part. Mm-hmm. Okay, very good. So if anyone can help out, yeah, please get in touch with um, Hans and Iota. And how can they get in touch with you best? LinkedIn, of course. LinkedIn. We just <laughs> Very good. So, um, yeah, just look for, uh, I think it's on LinkedIn, it's Johan, correct, Hans? Yeah. So for, for LinkedIn, Johan with a double N and Neubauer, N-E-U-B-A-U-E-R. And uh, then we have Iota, I-O-T-A, and then Dimu, D-I-M-O-U, correct? Correct. Perfect. So get in touch with them. Uh, really interesting company. Um, so, some Somehow kind of a unicorn. You you managed to do both thing, things that many consultancies fail to do. You You created a product that works. And you can sell and you internationalized um, in several several countries and continents. So congrats to what you achieved. And um, thank you so much for sharing your insights with us. 
Thank you so much. Thank you very much, Sunny. If you like the show, please leave us a rating and subscribe to our podcast to never miss a new episode. Do you want to win big whale clients, find new employees and become a renowned thought leader in your field? So who can help? Simply schedule a strategy call with our host, Sammy Gebele. Get in touch on LinkedIn or via sawoo.io, S-A-W-O-O.io. You can also find all contact details in our show notes. Thanks and see you next time.